Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. And today we will be talking about, I will be discussing, the episode Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Taking a Chance on Love. This episode aired on October 23, 1982. Ricky gets his first taste of puppy love when a new girl transfers to his, to his school. He also probes Edward about his romantic feelings just as Kate leaves for a singles cruise. This episode, oh wow, this episode's got a 7.9 out of 10. That really, this has got to be a really good episode. The episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David Duclin, and a whole slew of other people. I don't see any trivia. There is a good... Oh, there's a soundtrack. Bye Bye Blackbird. Performed by Louis... Gus? G-U-S-S. All right. All right. Um, oh, here's a goof. Okay. The scene where Derek tells Ricky that he has to go... After reading Ricky's love letter to Sally, has Derek making fun of Ricky by repeating the line in Ricky's poem, I don't know why a cow goes moo. <laughs> oh, Ricky! This causes Ricky to ball his fist and lunge at Derek, which sends Derek falling backwards in his chair. It's pretty clear that this was un unintended as Ricky is almost laughing when the camera pans back to him. Okay, I'm keeping an eye out for that. Alright. Ricky, maybe you should have asked Dad about that kind of thing. Like, Dad, how do you write a love letter? <laughs> I'm sure he must have written one in his lifetime, right? Alright, so before I get into this episode, I just want to let you know if you're a new listener, there are ways to connect with the podcast. You can go to Silver Spoons Podcast on Instagram, or you can go to the Facebook page. Uh, together we're going to find our way an unofficial Silver Spoons Podcast. You guys, you know, you find out about new episodes, I post fun pictures, stuff like that. Um, sometimes I post trivia questions about upcoming episodes, or the the cast and stuff. Um, also, if you would like to if you have a question about the podcast or just want to say how much you love Silver Spoons or, or anything really, you can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com and you can find um, that on the SoundCloud account. Uh, for Facebook and Instagram, you can find those. Also, I do updates on the Punky Power Podcast Twitter for uh, Silver Spoons as well. 
If you're a regular listener and you're enjoying this podcast, you can go to iTunes and leave a kind review. I would love that. Each review that my podcast gets, of course, gets it more noticed. If you guys are punky Brewster fans, which clearly you must be if you're listening to this podcast, right? Then, as you know, there are some Halloween episodes in the back catalog. So, I'll uh, post a info on that since it's October now, October 1st. So, also I have a book review that I want to do at the end of the episode. So, if you are looking for a book to read for that's kind of spooky, but not too, too crazy. Um, it's a middle grade book. Um, I'll be talking about that later. So, just hang out after the podcast and hear a great book recommendation. Alright guys, let's get into this episode, huh? So the episode opens, of course, we hear the train and Edward and Ricky are kind of coming along on the outside of the house by the windows. And they're making the the Native American sounds, because I don't believe you can really say Indian anymore without offending somebody. So they're making a you know, sound and everything. Edward's got his regular um, railroad hat, and Ricky's got, like, is it a Calvary hat or something? I'm not sure. But something to do with, like, either the Civil... I think, it, yeah, definitely the, the Civil War. And he, of course, has got a little toy gun. It better be a toy. Edward, that better be a toy gun in Ricky's hand. Not a real one. So, Edward jumps off the train, and he turns to Ricky, and he's like, Well, Colonel, we made it! We got the mail through! And they're both, like, smiling and shaking hands and everything. And little Ricky Schroeder is just so excited to be there. Like, the smile on his face is just so wide. We see that Edward's got uh, the kitchen help, uh, I think the chauffeur, and another guy that works for him. One guy that does have a Native American headdress. One guy that's... I think they might have, like, bayonets or something on them. I'm not sure. Oh, no, wait. I think, like, the limo driver... If that, This has got to be the limo driver. And the baker, because he's dressed like a baker. They... Oh, all three of the guys actually have, like, bow and arrows. Oh, my good. Oh, yeah. And I see, like, they have little, uh... Native American feathers, like, sticking up. Like, oh my goodness. That's, wow. Wow, that train is emitting a lot of, uh, exhaust there. As Kate comes out of the office, and she's kind of waving her hand in the air, kind of, like, get the smoke out of my face. I don't want to be inhaling it. Sounds great. Who's the sponsor? Club Whoopi. 
that clip uh ricky just kind of put down a southern accent and everything and um kate kind of plays along and this is where we find out kate is going on a trip she's going on a cruise and she kind of is like oh the seasickness and the food is and and i'm kind of thinking the same thing that ricky says he's like well then why do you go and kate's like because it's fun or something and, of course, Edward waits no time cutting of the chase like, Kate, come on, really. This is a singles cruise. And <laughs> Kate, of course, is trying to be dignified, saying it's a chance for, you know, diverse people to, to meet and explore different cultures and all this stuff. And <laughs> Edward's like, like, oh, really? Um, who's sponsoring this? And <laughs> Kate's like, Club uh, Whoopi? <laughs> okay. I thought she was going to say, like, Club Med at first. So, Edward has Ricky kind of check the train, and he and Kate kind of excuse themselves. I think, I wonder if he's going to, like, because I think he does have, they do have feelings. They just are in the early stages of they don't really want to admit them. Whoopsie. Well, actually, what happens here, I thought he was going to maybe admit some feelings towards her towards Kate, but Edward, I guess, gives her some tips about, I think he's going to give her a little bit of extra money, like, you know, when you come to the first port, you know, when you're on the cruise, you get to the first place you're going to stop, and you, <laughs> so you buy a bunch of coconuts, and you're pretty much tapped out for the rest of the trip, so he pulls uh, something out of his pocket, he's probably going to give her some extra money, some extra spending money, because, you know, she does work for him, so... This is, this is just cute. I like how he's just trying to play it cool and everything like that. And, you know, he cares. And it's just, it's like, I just, I think I'm going to have a fun time watching their relationship grow from being cutesy and almost like love-struck teenagers, but they're too shy and afraid to admit their feelings, to eventually um, dating, and then I believe they do, spoiler alert, they do get married, I think, at the end of season three. But we'll get there, guys. Like I said, I'm really excited on going on this journey with these two, being that I'm an adult. I really, I'm going to have a fun time watching Ricky go grow up and just get into all these crazy schemes and just, uh, you know, him dealing with adolescence and all that fun stuff. Listen, I, I know how expensive these cruises can be. I mean, the first port you come to, you buy a dozen carved coconut heads, you're tapped out. <laughs> anyway, uh... Here. This is a thousand dollars. Edward, you're too generous. Well, only with people I really like. Thank you. Kate, I, I want you to have a real good time. Hey, who knows? Maybe you'll meet a nice guy. Yeah. Can I say goodbye now? Is there more stuff I'm not supposed to hear? 
So I thought it was coconuts that he was talking about. He was talking about coconuts, but he said, like, carved coconuts. Like, when you carve faces into them or something. So, Kate, or, um, Edward pulls out of his pocket an envelope. Of course, it's going to be, you know, there's money in there. And Kate's looking at it, and she's like, Edward, this is $1,000. And mind you, this is $1,982,000. I think $1,000 can go quite a bit of ways in 1982. And I like what Edward says, how, oh, well, I, I only give, you know, this to people that I really like. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's, he, it's cute. I really like it. And of course, Ricky kind of comes in and is like, can I come in now? Or am I supposed to like stay out there so that way I'm not hearing what I'm not supposed to hear? Like, I know you guys were getting cozy with each other and you didn't want me to hear your adult talk, but... And I love the little shimmy shake thing that Ricky and Kate do. Like, oh, come here, buddy. And she just wraps him up in a hug and it's just it's so cute she just loves this little guy so much so she kind of like well i i guess i better go and um she just gives edward a handshake it's like yeah that would be a little um too intimate to do a hug just yet i mean after all we still gotta look at this as he is her employer and she still is his employee so how is that going to work when they get, start dating? So Kate leaves and the Stratton men are left alone. And I think, I wonder, is this where maybe Ricky is going to start probing um, Edward's mind for, you know, start asking questions about his feelings for Kate? I really think it is. But I'm going to play this clip now. Let's find out together. Yucky, but not in 
only a matter of time before you fall in love. Surprised at first, Ricky's like, hey, Dad, do you want to play with something here? Or, uh, go play? And, of course, Edward's like, ah, nah, son, there's nothing to play with in here. Like, nah. His mind's, Edward's mind's somewhere else right now. So, now that that idea's off the table, Ricky and Edward kind of sit down on the couch, and Ricky's like, well, Dad, I think it's time we have a man-to-man -man talk. And then he looks at Edward and he's like, Dad, are you a monk? As in, you have no romantical prowess in you whatsoever. <laughs> and Ricky's like, well, you know, I've been here a while. So let's kind of, let's think about that for a second. When Ricky says a while, what, what do you think maybe, I don't think it's not been six months. I would think... He's at least been there for maybe a month and a half, maybe two months tops. I don't think it's been three months, though. Heck, at, at this rate, I mean, I don't even think it's been two months. It's probably been a month. Because the show started, I mean, I'm going by when the show started airing in September, September 25th. And this is October something or other. I'll have to relook at the IMDb thing. And I'm just going based on that time because there is a Christmas episode coming up, which, of course, I'm not going to be doing that until December. So, And then, of course, at the end of the this, covering this episode, I will kind of let you guys know um, things are going to change a smidge just so I can wrap things up. I'm not like, I want to rush through it really fast. It's just like, I kind of want to get it season one to a close at the end of December so we can start fresh in a new year with season two. So, let's continue. Yeah, I'll continue uh, discussing this. Because this is really cute. Ricky says, Dad, I've not seen you go on any dates since I've been here. You know, I've been here a while. And I like Edward's response. He's like, well, son, I kind of figured that it would be best that, you know, we spend a lot of time together. I like also that Edward is taking Ricky's feelings into consideration when he says, you know, I really didn't know how you'd feel about me dating. And that's the thing with my dad. I really went, because... My dad divorced my mom when I was really young, like, probably about eight years old. And he was already starting to mingle. And I was young. I didn't really think too, too much about it. You know, he was never really serious with anybody until Pam came along. So, yeah. And, you know... From 8 years old to like 17, 16, 17 years old, I really didn't see anyone. He didn't bring anyone around for the family to meet, no one he was really serious about. So, yeah. His his whole thing of mingling and dating happened outside the house. So, 
And wow, oh wow, is this young boy, this 12-year-old boy, very mature for his age, because he looks at his dad and says, Dad, I wasn't born in the wood, you know. I understand that a man has needs. It's like, whoa, buddy. Okay. And then Ricky's like, well, I mean, I have needs, but um, I'm still too young to know what to do about them. Which is, good, good, you're only 12. Do you still have some of that innocence in you yet before you really, you hit puberty big time and your mind is just all about the girls? So, that being said, Edward kind of stands up and uh, walks off for a minute and turns around. He mentions this one lady he's working um, with on the children's masquerade ball for the, I think, uh, the, the children's hospital. And... He says, you know, uh, the lady's name, and and Ricky, of course, he does this thing, almost like hourglass shape with his hands, like, like, shape, like, is she, um, like, cut like an hourglass, basically? And Edward's like, no, she's kind of like, like, no, she's, she's not, she's, she does not have a Barbie doll figure, basically, is what he's implying. So, Ricky says, why don't you go for it? And then Edward's like, well, you know, maybe I, uh, I will. I'll give it a shot. So, Edward kind of asks, like, hey, do you have a certain special someone in your life right now? A special girl? And Ricky's like, nah, no. I'm still at that awkward age where, you know, girls are yucky. But then he's like, well, but not as yucky as, you know, they used to be. So, it's kind of like... He's towing that line a little bit. He's not there yet, but in another year, he probably will be, so. And Edward, uh, he and Ricky are starting to pull all the, like, um, arrows that got shot into the train and the little American flags. And Edward's like, well, you know, it's just a matter of time before you fall in love. And the thing is, when you say fall in love... It just seems like, that's more adult. That's kind of what, falling in love is something that happens gradually over time. You don't jump into it when you first meet someone. That's, the, especially at Ricky's age. That's why they refer to this as puppy love. Because it's two young preteens, not two 30-something-year-old adults, or 20-something-year-old adults adults, you know? It's something, falling in love is just something, it happens over time, you've gotten to know the person and everything, and you realize your feelings are different than before. So I, I kind of wish Edward could have used a different term, but... But then again, like I said, this is 1982. The word falling in, the, the term falling in love was just thrown around like, oh, you'll know when you fall in love, when you find that somebody... So, Ricky's like, well, how will I know when I'm in love? And Edward's like, well, you won't be able to think straight, you'll feel dizzy, and you won't have an appetite. And, of course, Ricky's like, oh, well, yeah, I kind of felt like that when I had some bad fish. I had, I ate fish once. And Edward's like, oh, no, this is, this is different from that. He does say he ate bad fish. Gotcha. Yeah, ooh. Alright, now we're moving to the next day of school. We see Derek. We haven't seen Derek since, um, what episode was it? Was it, um, 
Boys Will Be Boys? I think it was. So, of course, Derek being Derek decides to plug up the, uh, why am I all of a sudden drawing a blank on what this is? The, um, uh, is it a water, it's not a wa water fountain, it's just like, dang it, is it a water fountain? I'm gonna call it a water fountain, I can't think of any other term. He stops it up so that way it doesn't work. He's just trying to be a turd here. Like, oh, Derek, really? Oh, he's going to play a trick on Ricky. What? Yeah, this is just Derek's MO in life, I guess. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, Rick, it sure is hot today. I bet you want something to drink. I bet Ricky's going to fall for that. I bet he is. Or maybe not. Maybe he's gotten wise to... uh. Are those kids seriously wearing their sweaters over their shoulders like that? Preppy look. Ugh. the whole thing with the water fountain. I thought, like, no, Ricky's not gonna go for this. He's not. And he doesn't at first thing. Okay, good. He is wise to Derek's crab. He's like, that's water tastes like nuclear waste. I'm not drinking it. And, of course, Derek's like, oh, you know, I think they put in a new filter. Give it a try. Of course, Ricky does gets splashed in the face with water. And I see down the hall there's a bunch of kids but they're not even reacting to this. It's like they hired extra kids just to, like, fill up the hallway and make it look like it's in between classes, which it is. But then Ricky gets right in Derek's face and kind of sticks his finger, points his finger at him, like, look, Derek! And then he sees this cute little blonde girl in a plaid skirt. He's like, look, Derek! And this girl's, like, kind of... She's got a book in her hand, and she's kind of looks up and kind of looks left, looks right, and then she's, oh, here, this bay of lockers, she's looking for her locker. So she's clearly new. She's learning her way around. Derek uses this as the prime time to 
throw himself. He unbuttons a couple buttons on his shirt. He's got a gold chain around his neck, I notice. And then he kind of, you know, futzes with his hair just a little bit. Didn't really do anything. He's like, oh, he, he calls her gorgeous, like, right away. And she is not even having it at all. He's like, oh, the girls call me dude, or the dude, Mr. Dude, or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, look, dud, I'm not interested. You can go away now. Bye. She, like, completely just turns back to her locker and, like, I'm not, I don't. She senses his Derek jerky stink. A mile away. So, of course, Derek goes over to uh, Ricky and he kind of thumbs like, Oh, yeah, she's crazy about me. Like, no, she's not. <laughs> so, Derek leaves. Ricky is just there and la la. Like, oh, this girl's so beautiful. He's getting it. He's feeling that falling in love sensation. Can't think about anything else. And the girl is, like, trying to open her locker, but she's pulling on the lever. She's not Sweetie, you have to lift it. Lift it up. But I'm guessing this is so Ricky can come over. Oh, here, you just have to lift it. I mean, that's a great icebreaker. Help her open her locker. Excuse me. turns around, sees Ricky standing there like, hey, hello, um, can you help me with my locker? I can't get it open. So Ricky, of course, is like, pops it open, like, just lifts it, like, hey! And she's like, that's great! How about, can you do my locker now? And he's like, he lifts it, like, hey! He's doing a Fonzie thing! Man, what's up with that? <laughs> You're not Fonzie, Rick! Those lockers look really junky and old. Like, they salvaged them from some old, broken-down, abandoned school somewhere. They don't look good. So we learned the girl's name is Sally Frumble. Because uh, Ricky notes, like, oh, well, you're new here, huh? I've never seen you before. He's like, yep, my name is Sally Frumble. 
And she's like, what's your name? And he's like, um, my name is, uh, R Ricky, um, uh, uh, and she notices right on his, he's got one of those, like, paper bag type covers where you can just write, like, whatever on your textbook cover. And it says Ricky Stratton, and she points to it, like, Stratton, he's like, yes, yes, that's me! Like, <laughs> I'm sure she's thinking, oh, good thing you're cute, because, uh, you're kind of weird. Because <laughs> he kind of smacks the back of his head, like, oh, I'm such an idiot. This girl, let me tell you, she's got some sassiness there, which I like. It's really cool. I mean, she didn't take any of Derek's crap, like, I don't like you, go away. But Ricky, she's giving him a chance, because, you know, he's he's cute, and he's funny and everything, so. Finally, he's like, oh, well, I think I ate some bad fish. I'm just feeling dizzy, so he brings that back up again. So, back at the Stratford, uh, Stratford. Uh, back at, uh, back home. Oh, wow! They have a gun machine at the bottom of their staircase! They had one in E.T. I just watched that this weekend. Oh, there's a football on the banister. But anyway, I'm getting distracted here by all the stuff in the house. Uh, Edward comes down the curving stairwell. And he's got a cape. He's got a hat with kind of a... A white feather. He's really looks like one of the three musketeers. And he's got a long nose. Like one of those like long noses. Like that reminds me of Cyrano de Bruyac. Oh, and he's got one of those long, like old three musketeers uh pointed swords. And we have a what looks like a stuffed dummy that's dressed in a Paul Revere hat. And he's got a sword, which Edward's st stuck in his hand. And he's going to stab that that uh, Paul Revere-looking uh, dummy. Oh, we learned this uh, mannequin stuffed dummy thing. His name is Phil. Because <laughs> Edward, of course... Ricky's at school, so Edward's got to be... Um, Finding stuff to keep him, uh, you know, just having fun occupying his mind and everything like that. Because clearly the only time he really has to work is, say, when Kate's there or, or Leonard's, like, taking care of the books and all that other stuff. So Edward is just, he's got eight hours of free time, it seems like, every day until Ricky gets home at, like, three or four o'clock. So Ricky comes in the door from school. And he's like, hey, Dad. And, of course, Edward explains himself. Like, oh, I'm just trying out my Cyrano de Bourgeois costume. I was right. It was Cyrano. You know, of course, I realized that based on the notes. So, good eye on me. And Edward uh, tells him, like, I invited uh, Helen Winslow to the uh, Masquerade Ball since, you know, they're working together on, on it. I love how... Um, Ricky just uh, walks past the mannequin and, you know, his name is Phil. It's like, hey, Phil, how you doing? So Edward kind of knows, like, oh, well, son, you're in a good mood. And Ricky tells him why he's fallen in love with Sally. I forgot her last name already. <laughs> Sorry. Is it Humble? Hi, Dad. Oh, hi, Rick. I'm just trying on my Souvenir de Belgerac costume. I invited Helen Winslow to the Masquerade Ball. Hey, that's great. Really great. Hey, how you doing, Phil? 
powerful words in the English language. Yeah, what are they? Sally from. <laughs> Rick, I don't want to pry, but is this uh, Sally Frumble somebody special? I hope so, or I'm acting real dumb for nothing. <laughs> is she, uh... Yeah, she's 12. She's... Look at this. Ten pages of Sally Frumble's. Oh, it's E.L. instead of L.E. Gee, that is pretty. <laughs> it's weird, Dad. Sally is all I can think about. Well, why don't you ask her to a movie some Saturday afternoon? That's a great idea. But she's looking at the film. I can stare at her. <laughs> can you ask her for me? Oh, Rick, now wait a minute. I think that's your job. I can't, Dad. Every time I try and talk to her, my tongue goes on strike. <laughs> Well, I got the humble part. Her name is Sally Frumble, not Humble. And I guess Ricky had been doodling her name in his notebook. As And, um, Edward suggests, like, hey, why don't you guys... Oh, oh! <laughs> the way that Edward's like, oh, does she look like... And Ricky kind of looks at his dad like, dad, please, she's 12, okay? She's just flatline, boom, down, nothing, nothing. No curves, no nothing. So he suggests to Ricky, like, hey, why don't you ask her out? You know, you two can go to a movie. And Ricky's like, great. So while she's watching the movie, I'll be looking at her. And he says, Dad, do you think you can ask her for me? And Edward's like, no, buddy, that's, that's your department. You, you, you call her up. He's got her number, huh? She must have given him her number, because it's not like he's just going to magically know it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ricky's like, yeah, I, I try to talk to her, and my tongue goes on strike. It's like, I, I can't talk. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I probably haven't, but in 7th and 8th and... I think it's 10th grade, too. I did the whole, I like you, you uh, I don't really, I know you a little, but not, we don't really talk. You know, those type of crushes. And I, like, write little letters. They're not love letters. You're like, hey, I want to be your friend. Here's my number. And it just would snowball in my face every time. It just... This one guy in particular that I liked in 7th grade, on the last day of 7th grade, I went to give him the note, and he's like, what What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, nothing. Like, it's, it's I, I just, I remember being so nervous, and I was going to just slip him that note, and I was like, it's now or never, if I don't do this, then it's all for naught. Of course, in 8th grade, I did have a science class with this guy, and we, at one point, were assigned to sit at the same table, and I found out, well, he's kind of a jerk, so, <laughs> yeah. It's better to just be upfront and get to know somebody, instead of <clears throat> going the route that I did by just like, oh, I think you're cute based on your attractiveness, and that you're not really popular, I always one for the guys that weren't popular, only to be completely shut down. 
and embarrassed. So definitely get to know someone. Don't just write them a note saying, hey, I like you, I want to be your friend, and give them your number. Guys, I, I, I did that at least four times between junior high and high school, and it failed every time. Although, when I gave Jeremy my phone number, <laughs> because we'd been talking for quite a while. See, that's how it works. You talk for quite a while, and you, you know, develop a friendship, and then you decide to talk on the phone. So, I did it right that time. <laughs> so, I'm going to play this clip. I bet this is going to be hilarious as he tries to call Sally. I hear some blackguards in the library. Wouldst excuse me, sir? Yes, I wouldst. Good job. <laughs> I must away. this whole like he was messing up when uh Sally got on the phone and then he turned it around to pretend like oh Dave give me that phone he's like oh that's my little brother I don't you know <laughs> but I honestly think that because he's not seeing her that it's just a voice on the other line that that does take a little bit of the nervousness and the tension away from the situation. Like, it's just a disembodied voice you're talking to. You don't have to look them in the eye and everything. And the worst thing that they could say is no. It's like, all you gotta do is ask. So he does ask her to see a movie on Sunday at the mall around, you know, they'll meet at noon. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. She says yes. I love, I notice he's got an ID bracelet. Like, I remember, um, you know, because I covered the, the Wonder Years podcast, and Kevin and Winnie got ID bracelets for each other, I think it was in season four. After Ricky gets off the phone, the way he, like, thrusts his fist in the air, like, yes! And then he slides on the floor on his knees, like, oh, yeah, I did it! So proud of himself, like, yes, you did, bud.
you conquered your fear. Now you just have to try to conquer that when you're actually at the movies with her. So in the next scene, um, Ricky and Derek are sitting at... Edward conveniently put a table in the living room so the boys can have a place to study. That was nice. So nosy Derek sees Ricky scribbling something in his notebook. He's like, oh, what are you writing there? And, of course, Derek goes to grab the notebook. But luckily, Ricky grabs Derek's wrist and says, there is none of your business. Back off. And, of course, Derek's like, oh, I bet it's another love letter to Sally. And he says, now will you please tie your shoes? Ricky bends down, and Derek takes the chance to look at what Ricky was writing down. Oh, Ricky, you gotta stop falling for his stuff. You gotta stop falling for the act. What you writing there? Nothing. None of your business. <laughs> Probably another dripping love letter to Sally. Now would you please tie your shoes? Ricky's poem to Sally. And it's cute. I don't really, I mean, I guess the cow thing was, it's a lot of, I don't know why. I don't know why the sky is blue. I don't know why, but the sea is too. And I don't know why cows go moo. All I know is I love you. And it's like, it's cute for a 12 year old. Or even an eight-year-old. That sounds something like what... I mean, you add the cow in there, it's like... Mm, mm. 
So, as Derek's kind of reading this, and Ricky's hearing it, he, he in his mind, he's like, you know, that doesn't you know sound bad if someone's reading it. You're kind of like, oh. So, Derek's going to be a jerk here, as he puts a hand on Ricky's shoulder, like, hey, Rick, look, um, I'm going to tell you the truth about your girlfriend. And, turns out Sally is every guy's pally, as in, she gets around. And Ricky is not believing this at all. Like, no, I know Sally, what we have is real, and it's true, she's not like that. I like Ricky's response, like, oh, that's sick. And he's like, I know, Sally, what you're saying is a lie. So I like that he's not listening to what Derek, like, no, Derek, you're full of garbage. You're just, it's like, basically, no, Derek is jealous. He is, Sally turned him down and she went with Rick. Derek, you're always going to be second to, to Ricky. So, of course, Derek gathering his stuff, like, hey, I gotta go. And he's like, I don't know why cop goes, Moo. And Ricky, like, pulls his fist back like he's ready to punch Derek in the face. Derek, of course, falls back in it. He wasn't sitting down, but that chair is directly behind Derek. So, he's surprised at this. Falls back in the chair. I don't think he was expecting it. And, of course, yes, Ricky Schroeder who plays Ricky, has got this big smile. He's he's laughing, so he's, he's kind of breaking character there. I want to read that goof again now that we've seen this. Okay, let me read this goof real quick again. Okay, because it's under errors made by characters. The scene where Derek tells Ricky that he has to go after reading Ricky's love letter to Sally has Derek making fun of Ricky by repeating the line in Ricky's poem. I don't know why a cow goes moo. This causes Ricky to ball his fist and lunge at Derek, which sends Derek falling backwards in his chair, which we see. It's pretty clear this was unintended as Ricky is almost laughing. No, it's not almost. He is laughing as he's got his... You know, after Derek's already hit the floor in the chair, or Jason Bateman has, and Ricky's still, like, kind of lightly hunched over with his arm cocked back and his fist ready to go, and he's laughing. This was unintended as Ricky is almost laughing when the camera pans back. No, he's not almost. He is literally laughing. And, of course, Edward comes in and is like, okay, what did I just walk into here? We got a boy here on the floor, and my son looks like he's ready to punch him in the face. So, of course, Edward just comes in all nonchalant, like, oh, hey, guys. What's going on here? And... Derek quickly gets out of the chair and kind of straightens his look. Like, oh, nothing, sir. I'm going to go home and read my favorite book, the Bible. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, because um, Edward talks about uh, the lady, Helen, is it Helen Winslow? And, of course, Derek is all charmed. Like, oh, well, she's got to be upstanding to go out with someone as amazing as you, sir. He's always so formal with, with Edward. It's like, he's always like trying to make, make sure he stays on his good side. Oh, he says, I hope to get through the gospel of St. Luke. <laughs> Derek, 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 we know that you've never read a Bible in your life. So, how'd it go tonight? Well, over dinner, Helen and 
discuss what costumes we wear in the masquerade ball. I wanted us to go as Cyrano and Roxanne, but she wanted to go as George and Martha Washington. So we compromised. We're going as Heckle and Jekyll. Are you in love with Helen? No, I wouldn't say I'm in love. I'm madly in like. <laughs> well, I'm madly in love. Well, I can see that. What uh, have we here? Just a love poem. Oh, a love poem, huh? Can you read it? It's embarrassing. Oh, come on. You don't have to be embarrassed. I'll never forget the poem I wrote to my first love. Edna Innerbitzen. Your teeth are like snow-capped mountains. Your eyes are like deep blue lakes. Your hair isn't the greatest. I guess those are the breaks. I still have the scar here somewhere. Well, that could never happen between Sally and me. Tomorrow, I'm making a big move. I'm talking commitment. I'm talking full partnership. I'm talking lifetime together. Me. Yes. I'm giving Sally Frumble my ID bracelet. <laughs> So Edward and Helen went out to eat, and Edward wanted to go as Cyrano de Bergerac and Roxanne, and she wanted to go as George and Martha Washington. They compromised on Heckle and Jekyll for the the costume, um, the the masquerade ball, and Edward kind of notices the little uh, the note that Ricky is holding on to. He's like, "Oh, what do you got there?" And Ricky's like, oh, it's it's a love poem. And Edward's like, oh, can I see? And Ricky's like, no, no, it's private. It's just, it's so cute how goofy he is and with it and, and shy. And, of course, Ricky kind of is like, hey, do you love Helen? And Edward's like, well, no, I don't love her. I'm madly in like. And... Ricky's like, well, I'm in love, and I'm gonna, basically what he wants to do, he wants to make it official, be with Sally till the end of time, he's, his heart's completely in it for the long haul, and he says, I'm going to give her my ID bracelet, so he can, whoa, this is big, he wants to make it official, it's just him and her, but the thing is, in junior high, well, I didn't date till I got out of high school, so <laughs> I can't really... But I did see people, you know, other students that would date somebody for a week, break up, and by the end of the week they'd be with somebody else. It's like, no, it's junior high. You guys are going to go through the student body like toilet paper. So I'm guessing the date of the movie must have already happened because he's already talking about making it official. So they, they've done the movie, I'm guessing? They had a great time. So, Ricky, yeah, he's all into this. And the thing is, we don't know if Sally is all in. Or whether she's just like, hey, it's fun and everything. Like, is there truth to what Derek's saying? Sally is a new girl. She just came to that school. So the fact that she would have a reputation like that... Unless Derek did some digging. I think Derek is just, he's jealous that Sally rejected him and chose Ricky. Now he's just spewing lies. 
So, Edward talks about his first love with a girl probably in junior high or elementary school, one of them. He doesn't specify. And he reads the poem in his mind. He's got it memorized. And he's at the end of the poem. I mean, it starts out great with teeth like snow-capped mountains and other features of her face or body. And he says something about her hair not being that great. And, of course, she must have slugged him or something because, like, I still have the scar. And he's, like, kind of looking right about at his stomach. I'm like... Did she stab you with something? How do you, do you get a scar? You don't get a scar from someone punching you in the stomach. Why do I get the feeling that in this episode, Ricky is going to experience his first heartbreak? I think the Sally is going to break his heart. Because we never see her again, I don't think, after this episode. So, in the school hallway the next day, Ricky's heading to his locker, or he's heading to see Sally... And he's just kind of, like, doing his cool dance moves. Like, he's he's walking on air. He's walking on clouds. that Ricky's locker was right across from or kitty corner to um, Sally's locker and 
it's kind of fun because he's kind of like uh, he's got a comb in his locker, so he's combing his hair back and using banaka. And I don't know why he sucked his finger like he had something on his finger or something. I'm like, oh, that's gross. Um, but he goes over like. Sally's like, hey, Ricky, and he's like, oh, hey, Sally, and then he puts his arm around her, and he's like, oh, you know, these last couple of weeks have been really great, and everything like that, and he's saying how I feel like we're just like one of those couples, like, Antony and Cleopatra, Romeo and Juliet, that's a bad example, um, and Joni and Chachi, didn't that show just last for, like, a season? And he says, well, um, will you wear my ID bracelet? And she's like, no. And he starts talking, but then, again, he's like, wait, what? You said no? And she's like, yeah, I said no. Um, and she said, um, let me go back here. And the facial expression Sally is making is Ricky is comparing their love to all the great uh, couples of the the decades and the eras and everything like that. And she's just making the face like, oh, God, I can't believe I gotta break this boy's heart. But I got to. Because he asks, like, will you wear my ID bracelet? She immediately, like, no. And he, he starts talking like she said yes, but then he's like, wait, you said no? It's like, yeah. And she pulls up the sleeve of her shirt, and she's already wearing a weird, large ID bracelet. And I can admit, she is also wearing a sweater over her shoulders. The preppy look. Now, when she said no, I immediately went back to what Derek was saying about Sally as every guy's pally. I'm like, could... I even thought, I really did, like, maybe Derek is right. That is the largest ID plate I have ever seen. It is at least twice the size of Ricky's. It almost looks like a large bracelet. Judson W. Motzenbacher. Apparently, Sally almost got hit by a car, and this Judson character just came out of nowhere like Superman and saved her life. Like, I could have died, Ricky, and he saved me. Ricky, of course, is like, oh, you fell for that. The oldest trick in the book, saving one's life. Saving someone's life, and you're indebted to this boy for the rest of your life. Are you serious? Sure, it was a grand gesture, but... And, of course, Ricky knows this guy, because I guess his name is Hose Nose. And the way that she... He's like, you're going with Hose Nose? Like, this just happened this morning. She almost got hit by a car. And she immediately, like, yeah, I'll wear your ID bracelet. Because she's new. So all the guys want to have a try at her. Like, to go out with her. And when he's like, you're going with hose nose? The look that she just kind of an exasperated roll of the eyes. And kind of exhaling. Oh, boy. He's not taking this as well as I thought he would. Like, you're 12. Of course. he His emotions are going to be running high there. Okay, so a car ran a stop sign, and it would have run her over if Judson hadn't have pushed her out of the way. So did Judson get hurt in the process? Like, he took the, the hit from the car for her? Which, yeah, that's, that's great to be. Now, mm, you feel like you're indebted to his service for the rest of your life, I'm guessing. Or chivalry. 
So she feels like, oh, well, he asked me. Of course he accepted. I would have been dead if he hadn't come along. So, of course, Ricky's hurt. And she's like, are you okay? And he's, like, not even looking at her. He's hurt. So he's like, yeah, of course. He's, like, trying to play it. Like, of course, you didn't break my heart. No, I'm fine. I'm not even going to look at you because my heart is breaking. And I don't want to admit that. Oh, girl. Oh, <laughs> The oldest line in the book after a breakup. I want us to be friends. Why? How many people honestly are friends with their exes? I honestly say if that were a question, which it's probably been a question on, um, on card sharks, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that percent is going to be lower than 50%. Like, if it's like... Is that higher or lower than 50%? I'm going to say lower. Because, yeah. No. I don't have any exes, so I can't really give my opinion on that. But I'm just kind of thinking, you know, you guys are 12. You're going to go through a lot of kids. You're going to think you love them, that you're going to get married. And even I, at like... Eight or nine years old thought I was going to get married to this one kid. And my I thought my friend and this other guy friend were going to get married and live right next to us. And I'd write this boy's name on my shoes. And, of course, my aunt saw. And she's, like, screaming at me, like, why would you deface your shoes like that? And blah, 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 blah. And I would, like, write, like, little love notes to this this boy and everything like that. And it's like... What I thought and felt in second and third grade is so unbelievable. It just, so much has changed since then. And I look back and think, wow, I thought that's what love was. It was cutesy little eight, nine-year-old crushes. It wasn't love. So Ricky's kind of like saying, yeah, sure, you and I can be friends. I hope you don't mind if I call your new boyfriend Hose Nose, because that's what everyone else calls him. It's like, no, Ricky is really, it's like, you stabbed me in the heart, and now you're trying to pull the knife out slowly as I bleed out on the floor. It's like, no, or no, it's, it's like, here, you're trying to, like, you stabbed me in the heart, and you're trying to put a Band-Aid on it to stop the bleeding. It's like... You're not, that's not going to cushion the blow saying, oh, I still want to be friends. How can you be friends after something like that? And she's like, oh, you are so cute, Ricky. And Ricky's like, yeah, that's me, Mr. Cute. I gotta commend Ricky for holding it together for as long as he does. He doesn't break, he doesn't cry, he doesn't shed a tear, but you can hear kind of his voice sounds like it's starting to break. It's like, please just move along so I can break down quietly by myself at this row of lockers. And she kisses him, which, did they kiss at, we don't see the date at the movie, so we don't know, did she kiss him on the cheek then? Because she kisses him goodbye, like, hey, it's nice knowing you. The two weeks we had were excellent, but I got to move on with my life. And Ricky is just, oh, this poor boy. I just want to give him a hug. And she walks away, but then she turns around and she's like, oh, are you sure you're okay? It's like, girl, just go, okay? Just go into your classroom and leave the boy alone. Let him handle his feelings himself. 
Like, he's not of your concern. You ended the relationship. Move forward with hose nose. And I'm just kind of looking. Like, the bell is rung. Class is going to start. And I'm, like, thinking, Ricky's just leaning up against that bay of lockers. And he's just, he's not tearing up, but you just see that he wants to. He's just so sad. And I'm just thinking, oh, Ricky, you you go home. You ask dad, you ask your dad, Edward, to come and uh, pick you up. Like, he's not going to class today. Let him, let him grieve for one day. <laughs> okay, so this is the first time. I don't know if this is going to be a regular hangout. We get a sign that says, welcome to hilarious, hilarious Hals. And it says, today's special is almond nut cake and lemon pucker. So it's clearly it's got to be an ice cream place. And it looks like those could be really nut cake. Yeah, that sounds good. Lemon pucker? Eh, maybe. I like, I like like, lemon meringue and stuff like that. Pucker sounds like it's going to be really kind of sourish. So it takes a while for the camera to start pulling back from that sign. And you're just kind of hearing, like people like indistinct like conversations going on and we see at first I'm like that looks like Derek sitting with somebody but no I'm like no that's just someone who's got this, a similar haircut to him but we see I'm guessing this guy who's the ice cream guy is Hal as he's kind of buffing the table that uh, or the counter that Edward and Ricky are hanging out at because they're having their their ice cream sodas or um, soda fountain, soda fountain Sundays or whatever you want to call them. Just... 
just blow on his thumb and we inflate him somewhere. <laughs> the beginning of the scene and Ricky is feeling really low he's clearly been crying and hilarious Hal is not helping matters as he's singing some sappy sad monotone <laughs> I don't know whether it's a love song or what it is but Ricky finally slams his palm on the counter like do you mind I got my heart broken. I want to wallow in my misery. <laughs> and Edward kind of makes the uh, joke about, hey, I think my last uh, uh, soda thing here was a little watered down. I want to talk to Hilarious Hal. And the guy is like, I'm hilarious. Like, no, you're not. You are the opposite of hilarious. This guy is like a monotone. Looks like he's never smiled a day in his life. Like, how did you come up with the name for this place, Hilarious Hal? Maybe at one, when he first opened, he was hilarious and fun. But it looks like he got kicked down in life a few times. So, <laughs> I don't know how long this place has been standing. But, I love how, you know... Usually the episode tends to end with Edward and giving Ricky some sound advice. And he's spouting all these familiar terms like, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. So Ricky, of course, is like, I finally met the girl in my dreams and she dumps me. And I'm 12. And you realize how many years I have left to just toil in my misery or, or, or something to that effect. It's like, yeah, buddy, you haven't even hit adolescent yet. You don't know what's going to be coming for you. Girls are going to get more confusing. They're going to be more different. And this is just... But, I mean, you know, Edward has a point here with, you know, you took a risk. Yes, you got your heart broken. But if you hadn't have went after her and uh, per pursued Sally and stuff and just because you had a great two weeks I mean you were walking on air you were like on cloud nine you were so happy and would you really not want to do who have taken that risk and not experienced that I mean 
everyone experiences probably some form of heartbreak in their lives when it comes to romance. You know, whether you're getting your heart crushed when you're Ricky's age or a little older, it hurts. I, I, I can imagine it. It does hurt. But it's like, if you don't take that chance... And experience that. It's like, you know what to look. And he tells Rick, he's like, well, this happened to you, this experience. But now next time, you'll know what to keep your eye out for. And you'll be a little more careful. Instead of just falling into love right away. Because he, he says, I fell in love. It's like, no, this is puppy love. This isn't real. It's just, you know... It's just fun. It's just kid stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to say that it's not important and he didn't learn a lesson, but still, it's not like you've committed years and years and years and you just feel like, hey, it's not working out and one or both of you decides to end it. No, she she just, she broke his heart. So yes, Edward starts spouting these time heals all wounds and... Ricky has just got his forehead on his on his arm, and he, he's just like, uh, I don't want to hear this, Dad. It's not helping me. And he just looks at his dad, rolls his eyes, and sticks his head back on his arms. It's better to have loved and lost than never have loved before. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. It's like, um, it's better to have loved and lost than not to have loved at all, which is, is true. I mean... You can't experience love without some form of heart heartbreak and everything. And it's just like, yeah, all these sad sayings. It's like, you're not helping me. So he's just kind of, Ricky's just kind of looking into, you know, staring and like, why, Sally? Like, why did you do that to me? I'm hurting. And and Edward really looks at us and like, oh, buddy, you're really hurting, aren't you? And Ricky looks at his dad and he's like, Dad, like, she broke my heart. Like, one minute I'm sad, then I feel empty, and then I feel angry. It's like, yeah, there's all these mixed emotions that are swirling around your head, and you don't know what to feel. One minute you feel one thing, then another, then another. It's like, and Ricky's like, that's it. I'm done with girls. I, I, this is just too much for me. I can't handle it. But before he says, I'm through with girls, he says... He kind of compares himself to Elmer Fudd getting run over by a steamroller that's being driven by Bugs Bunny. I just feel flat. And, of course, Edward makes a joke, like, you know how at the end of that, though, um, Elmer Fudd, like, sticks his finger in his mouth and kind of reinflates himself? And, of course, Edward's got to do that where he sticks his thumb in his mouth and kind of goes, you know, he puffs up his cheeks and... Ricky's like, uh, yeah, nice try, Dad. It didn't help me. So Edward tries to um, talk to Ricky, but he starts sounding like Elmer Fudd with a lisp, and then he's like, okay. <clears throat> yeah. It's just, this is funny. So yeah, Edward reminds him of how great he, he Ricky felt those two weeks, and Edward's like, I saw it in your eyes, buddy. You were like walking on clouds. You're so happy for and then Ricky's like, yeah, but I got shot down. And Edward's like, well, you took a risk. 
And I like he says, you made yourself vulnerable. And sometimes when you do that, you make yourself vulnerable. You open yourself up to being hurt. And he says, when you make yourself vulnerable, you set yourself up to get hurt. But next time, you'll know. And maybe you won't get hurt. Next time you fall in love. I wish they'd stop saying falling in love. But anyway, yeah, it's like next time you'll be more careful. Like, Ricky, don't just go based on physical attraction alone. I know it's like, oh, that person. I mean, because I did that when I was writing. Like, oh, I like the quiet guys. I like the guys that aren't that popular and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, physical attraction and stuff like that, too. But, yeah. I mean, when I was, you know, that one guy in second and third grade, when he started liking some other girl for, like, I think it was, like, a day. I experienced heartbreak in a way. It's like, we'd been together, like, on and off for, like, second grade. It wasn't official, but that we, you know, but we did like each other, and people teased us about it and stuff like that. So, and like I said, that only lasted from second grade to, like, third grade. But even still, when he started liking and sitting next to someone else on, you know, the bus when we go places, um... I experienced it. It's like, oh my goodness, why are you hurting me like this? So Edward's like, you'll never know if you don't take the risk. And Ricky's like, I get it, Dad. I know what you're saying, but I'm just, I'm through with girls. I don't want to go through that again. It hurt too much. Well, it's still fresh, Ricky. Like, this breakup just happened. You gotta give it time, bud. So he's like, I'm through with girls. I'm through with girls. And... Ricky gets up, and Edward pulls his wallet out to pay the check and everything. Of course, when they go to the door, a woman and her daughter step in. This brunette, cute little girl in a frilly little dress shirt and a skirt. She comes in. Of course, Ricky is like, go, 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 go. Who's this pretty girl? Dad. It's happening again. Oh my goodness. And I think Edward is thinking the same thing at the, as the mother. For the mother. Like, Ricky's like, oh, the girl. And Edward's like, oh, the mother's kind of cute. And they both, the mother and daughter sit at the counter. And Edward and Ricky, the looks on their faces, like Ricky's jaw is on the floor. And Edward is like, his eyes are zeroing in on this lady. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and the credits start to to come up on Ricky's face as his jaw is like, practically on the floor. His mouth's agape. So Ricky finally picks his jaw up off the floor and says to his, da to his dad, like, hey, uh, which one do you want? And Edward's like, well, I'll take the tall one. It's like, yeah, that's, um, I'll go with the mother, you go with the daughter. And they both kind of strut their way to the counter, like, I'm the man. And, of course, the lady kind of looks to her side, and all of a sudden, it's like Edward appeared out of nowhere, like, oh, hello, hello. And 
Ricky is like chatting it up with the daughter. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll never see how that goes down. Like, hey, we're here. Why don't we go on a, a date since we're here at the ice cream shop? But that's the episode, guys. I I thought this was so cute. And it was a good lesson for Ricky to learn that, you know, that would be my silver spoonful is that if you don't try... You might fail, but if you don't ever try, you're never going to know what you could have had. Or, you know, what you could lose in the end. It's a gamble. It's a risk that you should take. Just, you know, if you never try, you're never going to know. And even if it's only a little two-week... Whoopsie. Uh, if it's only a little uh, two-week type romance like what Ricky had with, with Sally. It's like it's worth it to, to have it, to have that feeling, definitely. But as far as for the train rating for the episode, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a 4 out of 5. The only thing I didn't care for that I knocked off was um Sally kind of breaking up with, with Ricky, and she's got this giant plated ID bracelet from Hosenose Judson. That's a weird name, Judson. It almost sounds like Jetson. But um, the things that I really enjoyed, I liked at the beginning with Kate and Edward and him giving her money. Like, oh, I only do this for people that I really like. It was really cute. And then, of course, Ricky first introduction with, with Sally and everything, and just how cute. Also, him, you know, asking her out over the phone, and him and Edward's talk at the end. You know, Edward's trying to make him feel better and give him advice, and of course, yeah, so. This was such a cute episode. It really, really was. And I'm sure at one point in our lives, we've all been there. We've all had that little bit of puppy love. And we've all probably had our hearts broken, too, when we were younger. So we can identify with Ricky. But like I said, if you don't try, you'll never know. And you'll never have that feeling. As glorious as it is, even if it lasts for only a week, that feeling of walking on air and that... that that pitter-patter feeling, that the butterflies in your stomach. Guys, I've been there. I know what that's like to have a crush on someone and not, you know, well, the unrequited um, side of that. But still, it's just when the person walks into the room and you just get those butterflies in your stomach, that nervousness and excitedness, it's just, it's a great feeling. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Alright guys, I'm going to talk about next week uh, next week's episode because this is a big one. This is going to... We finally meet Ricky's mother and we take an immediate dislike to this woman. This is season one, episode six, entitled, Clear as Day, Evelyn Returns. That's all it says. October 30th, 1982. So this is the end of October of 82. So this show has been on the air for at least about five to six weeks now. Evelyn, Edward's ex-wife and Ricky's mother, shows up and wants to take Ricky back to live with her in London. What? When did she go to London? I thought she was skiing in the Alps. 
Did she drop her ski instructor new, new husband? Leonard tells Edward he could fight for custody, but warns him that a legal battle could get to Ricky. Then this could get very ugly. And Ricky, of course, he's 12. He should have a right with who he wants to live with. And the fact that she just dumped him in a military school and just went about her way, that's a strike against her. Another strike against her is the fact that she did not let Edward know that he even had a son. So that right there, I, but then again, this is the 80s. Didn't they normally side with the mother in a lot of the divorce cases, regardless of whether she was an unfit mother or not? So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about this one next week. All right, so let's jump right into uh, saying hey to some new podcast listeners, from the Punky Power listeners to the Silver Spoons listeners. We have San Jose, California, Denver, Colorado, Omaha, Nebraska, Des Moines, Iowa, Miami, Florida, Salem, Oregon, Mountain View, California, Seattle, Washington, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Honolulu, Hawaii, Chicago, Illinois, Atlanta, Georgia, Riverdale, Maryland, Brazil, Wayne, Pennsylvania, Los Angeles, California, Bronx, New York, Perth, Australia, California, Oxnard, California, Anchorage, Alaska, San Francisco, California, Newburyport, Maine, or Massachusetts, I'm sorry. Maine is MN. Sydney, Australia, Lethbridge, Canada, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Phoenix, Arizona, Santo Andre, Brazil, Farmington, Missouri, Graysonville, Maryland, Alma, Michigan, High Point, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, Riga, Latvia, Mills, Massachusetts, and Virginia. All right. So now comes a portion that I'm going to talk real quickly about one of the spooky reads I read. It was an audiobook. I listened to it on Audible. And let me tell you, guys, Audible, not just Audible, but audiobooks sometimes, depending on the book, are the way to go. Because you get the right narrator. And just, it brings the story to life. It brings the characters to life. It just, the, so I'm going to read, um, Small Spaces by Catherine Arden. And she actually is going on tour. She's on tour right now for this book. But Small Spaces, I'll read the book description. So the author makes her middle grade debut with a creepy spellbinding ghost story destined to become a classic. After suffering a tragic loss, 11 year old Ollie, short for Olivia, excuse me, only finds solace in books. Solace in books. Guys, I'm going to say right there. Love, love, love characters and books that love to read. I love it. 
So when she happens upon a crazed woman at the river threatening to throw a book into the water, Ollie doesn't think, she just acts, stealing the book and running away. As she begins to read the slender volume, Ollie discovers a chilling story about a girl named Beth. The two brothers who both loved her, and a peculiar deal made with quote-unquote, the smiling man, a sinister specter who grants your most tightly held wish, but only for the ultimate price. Ollie is captivated by the tale until her school trip the next day to Smoke Hollow, a local farm with a haunted history all its own. There, she stumbles upon the graves of the very people she's been reading about. <coughs> Excuse me. Ollie doesn't have... Too long to think about the answer to that. On the way home, the school bus breaks down, sending their teacher back to the farm for help. But the strange bus driver has some advice for the kids left behind in his care. Best get moving. At nightfall, they'll come for the rest of you. Nightfall is, indeed, fast descending when Ollie's previously broken digital wristwatch a keepsake reminder of better times, begins a startling countdown and delivers a terrifying message. Run. Only Ollie and two of her classmates, classmates heed the bus driver's warning as the trio head out into the woods bordered by a field of scarecrows that seem to be watching them. The bus driver, the bus driver has just one final piece of advice for Ollie and her friends. Avoid large places. Keep too small. And with that, a deliciously creepy and hair-raising adventure begins. Guys, I loved this book. I'm so happy. Maybe next Halloween or next October I'll listen to it again. So to kind of set the scene a little bit, um, the beginning of the book pretty much tells you exactly... Ollie is a girl that has lost her mother the previous year. They don't say exactly. I think they do kind of say how she died, but I'm not going to reveal that. Um, and she's living with her dad. And he is someone he's he's trying to, you know, cook. He's really a good cook, actually, which is awesome. And um, she loves to, to read and, and everything like that. And... I, one scene in particular, because I listened to this book, it's only f like five or six hours long. It's it's not very long at all. I listened to this in the time span of an eight-hour shift. Because I started at probably about 3.34 maybe, and I finished it like just before my nine o'clock break. And I was riveted the entire time. Just the, the feel. I like that, um, because you hear how, you know, she gets the book and she comes home and she's really, because we get to hear passages as she's reading the story to herself that kind of cut in, that give you a little bit of history on this girl named Beth and the two brothers, um, Jonathan and Caleb. That's all I'm going to say about them. And, um... She's got the field trip that she's got to go on, and her dad's kind of shouting up to her, like, hey, you need to get down here, get ready, because it's, like, raining out and everything, like, get your rain boots on, get dressed, get down here, eat breakfast, so we can 
drop you off at school. And she's saying how, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick, I can't, I don't want to get out of bed. Because she's like, lifts up the covers and that, that cold, like, oh, it's too cold. I want to stay inside. Because she's got her book with her. And her dad, like, comes up. And she's like, oh, I, I think I might be getting the flu. I have a fever. And he's like, oh, well, you need to stay home, huh? Well, you know, sure, you can stay home if you're really sick. But you're not going to lay in bed reading all day. You're going to stay up here and you're going to eat toast. So she's like, you know what? On second thought, because she's thinking to herself, well, you know, I could just read on the bus. And... Everything's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm ready. You know, I'm good. I'm not sick after all and everything like that. And her dad, like, makes her this giant lunch of all these foods. And she's like, oh, well, Dad, they're going to have donuts. And they're probably going to have lunch at this farm that we visit. And, of course, he feels kind of bad. Like, oh, um, well, I, I just made all this food for you. Um, you don't. Because he's like, he, he's generally like, oh, his feelings are hurt. So, you know, and it's still fresh off the mother's death. She died like a year ago. And he's really trying here to um, be both parents and, and, and be the father and, you know, cook and everything like that. So she kind of feels bad. Like, you know what, Dad? No. On second thought, I will take this lunch. Thank you so much. So it's just, those, those are just a couple things. And um, we get to hear about a couple characters that are going to stand out. Um, Coco, who... Um, Ollie describes her as having, like, her hair is strawberry blonde to the point where her hair is almost pink. And this girl, Coco, she's a sweet, shy girl. She's new. Um, I think she was homeschooled prior to coming to, um, the, the school. So she's new. She gets picked on by the boys. And, um, she cries a lot. She cries. And, and... Ollie just thinks, like, oh, she's annoying, she's a nuisance, she's a big crybaby. And then, of course, we meet Brian, who is, like, a hockey star. He's, like, a jock. This is all junior high. This is a middle grade book. This is not high school. So it's all kind of cutesy fun. Like, these three characters, Ollie the main character, then you have Brian, and then you have Coco. So they're all going to for they're gonna form a, a, a tight-knit um, little survivor group there but guys that's all i'm going to say about the book i loved it so so much i thought the narrator did an excellent job this book is available on audible i suggest you especially it's october guys this is a spooky read it's not too overly scary but it had me on the edge of my seat until the very end i'm like oh my gosh how is this gonna end there's only like 20 some minutes left oh my gosh and i just yeah Definitely, guys, check out this story. So, that being said, I also want to mention I did read the Hocus Pocus part of the book um, that I got. I just started the sequel, but I want to wait until I'm done with that book, and then I'll do a review. Um, you know, I think I might do a, just a separate review just on that and the movie once I'm done with the sequel and just talk about them both. So look forward to that. That's like a, a little bonus episode. But, um, yeah, other than that, guys, it's October. You know what that means? The last two months of the year after this are gonna fly by. We got <laughs> Halloween, then shortly after that, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then 
2019 is going to be here. I just got some sad news. Well, not devastating, but it is kind of sad that it's like I was looking online like, what? Are you kidding me? Stranger Things Season 3 isn't coming out until next summer? I thought it was supposed to be in, like, early winter, like February. I'm like, no. This sucks. But I'll deal with it. Um, Fuller House Season 4, I think, is coming out in December because the first episode has to deal with Christmas. So I'm excited about that for Netflix. Um, I'm still watching Family Ties. I'm almost done with Season 4. And... So basically, oh, also, real quick, what I wanted to mention is how things are going to change with the Silver Spoons podcast. The only thing that is changing is that in November, I am doing two episodes of Silver Spoons a week, just for the month of November, because like I said, I want to get season one wrapped up. I'm not like, I'm going to rush it real fast. I love the show. I love the episodes. I just really want to coincide with new year, new season. So in January, we will start season two. So I had to special order the rest of the show because season one is the only available season on DVD. The other ones I had to, and guys, I had to search, and I mean search for a couple months or more to even find legitimate semi you know I had to pay for these if I'd uh, known that I was gonna because I didn't know like a year and a half ago that like oh I'm gonna do silver spoons next or something but if I didn't known that then they had the someone had the episodes on YouTube because I remember looking at a couple of them and I didn't even think like, wow, maybe I should uh, download these so I can, but no, but I, I paid the money. I'm like I said, I'm doing all the episodes. Yeah. Mm. Well, all right. It's 1:41 right now. I got to like get this uploaded so I can get it out to you guys today for Monday. Then I gotta get dressed, get ready for work. It's currently, I think it's still raining out, so I gotta make sure I dress a little warm. So, um, also, on the Instagram for, uh, Punky Power Podcast, because I still update that, um, I did make some autumn... <laughs> I, I made some, um, autumn checks mix, Sorry. I had to put that out there. Um, I should be able to maybe get the um, recipe and just put it on the SoundCloud thing in the description. That way, if you guys want to make it yourself, you can. Um, there's also another one I found I might try making uh, later this month. It's a uh, pumpkin muddy buddy, which looks really good. So I'm going to do that. So, all right, guys, have a wonderful Monday afternoon. I hope, you know, maybe the sun will come out. I kind of think, like, shortly, the sun's going to go bye-bye for a while. I mean, we might see hints of it here and there, but as far as we're going to get into the colder, these are the burr months, and we are going to, like, it's sweater weather, it's lay on the couch in a blanket weather and watch spooky movies. Yeah, this the summer days are gone. I, you know, it was, I remember how I complained about how hot it was all the time? It gets so hot. It's so hot. I can't wait for fall. And now we got it, guys. We're in fall. And the highest it usually will get is like maybe into the high to mid to high 
50s at least, but all right, guys, I've talked enough. It's now 143. I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.